And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 317. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And yeah, so um, Avengers is out. And as of this past weekend, I have seen it. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I liked it. I actually have quite a lot to say about the movie, and we'll be doing that on the show in possibly two, possibly three weeks. I'm going to uh, put a survey up on the Radio Free Asgard Facebook page just to try to get a sense of who's seen it and who hasn't, and to find out, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, um, so not going to do that. I'm genuinely interested in actually what people thought of it, and of course, that is when you can email us and let us know what you thought of uh, Avengers Infinity War. You can email. Our email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also comment on the Facebook group. But uh, if you're going to do that in public forum, please keep it spoiler free for those of us who have not seen it yet. All right. So we do have an issue of Thor to cover in our uh, approach here to issue number 400. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the god of And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor, number 397. 75 cents was the cover price. Cover date is November 1988. Cover art is by Ron Friends and Brett Breeding. Shows Thor, who is shirtless, but he is wearing pants, of course, and he's carrying a chain. (laughs) And uh, he is fighting against Grog, the god crusher who is carrying Mjolnir, which, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll explain in this issue or admit to having made a horrible, horrible mistake. And they are fighting on a bunch of crumbling red rocks. There's a couple of, like, violet ones just kind of thrown in there. I, I don't know why. Yeah, and they're, they're making these rocks scatter around, so maybe this happens in the issue, and perhaps it doesn't. Uh, the cover blurb says... When the gods make war, stripped of his sacred hammer, the thunder god must battle Grog, the god crusher. And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Tom DeFalco was the writer. Ron Friends is the penciler. Brett Breeding and Don Heck are both inkers on here. Jack Morelli did the letters. Max Shield did the colors. Ralph Macchio was the editor. When the Gods Make War is the title of the story, and we have a splash page with a close-up of a very sweaty Thor face, and the um, captions are as follows. The blast from the power lance rips through his body, searing him to the very depths of his soul. The pain is incredible, but he will not give his tormentors the pleasure of hearing him scream. 
Though shorn of his godly powers and tortured beyond endurance, he will not break. He will not surrender to despair. Somehow he will live to defeat his enemies and sweep them away in the storm of his righteous rage. He is Thor, son of Odin, prince of Asgard. He can do no less. And we have Thor, and he is tied to a... Uh, a rack sort of thing. It's got a wheel with a chain on it. And I guess he's being stretched on the wheel, I guess is what, what that would be. And standing behind him is uh, Grog, the God Crusher, who is wearing Mjolnir at his belt. And he's got like a cattle prod kind of thing in the shape of a snake, because of course, all the snaky stuff with uh, Seth. We see in the background, it looks like Hogan is chained to the wall. We've got the Earth Lord from the the Earth Force there. He's in the in the background, uh, helpless or uh, unconscious or something. I'm not really sure. A uh, very Kirby esque sort of poses on everybody. So we, we've actually got some uh, Kirby uh, Kirby. I don't know. I guess it's an homage. I'm not going to say it's swiping, but anyway. Um, and Grog is uh, torturing Thor with his little cattle prod kind of thing. And it's going pothoom as it burns uh, Thor's flesh. And, uh, you know, they've stripped his shirt off, like, like on the cover. And, yeah, so Thor's not having a good time. And there's uh, various, uh, you know, these uh, Gawold uh, guards that are kind of standing around. Actually, uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day that you probably shouldn't call them Gawold because they actually look more like the Jaffa. Um, and but some of the Jaffa were gold, so I, I guess I can still do that. Anyway, anyway, Grog the God Crusher is saying, "Never before has Grog the God Crusher beheld such insufferable arrogance, such colossal gall. Only a presumptuous fool or a total madman would have dared to lead a small band of warriors into the dimension of death, in the vain, insane hope of defeating my master Seth. Even as you rot here." Deep within the dank dungeons of the Black Pyramid, the serpent god of death is invading your beloved Asgard and putting your people to the sword. Admit it, Thunder God, you're helpless. And he's kind of waving Mjolnir around mockingly. Not only has Grog bested you in physical combat, but I have also crushed your immortal spirit by stripping you of your sacred Uru hammer. And uh, one of these uh, uh, Jaffa guards kind of comes in and he says, Grog, I bring word from Lord Seth. Your presence is needed elsewhere. And uh, Grog goes uh, wandering off. He says, enjoy this momentary respite, Thunderer. Grog shall return to your everlasting sorrow. And he leaves. And we see some of the other people who are here as well. Uh, We have uh, Skyhawk. Uh, also of the Earth Force, and then we also have the Avenger, the Black Knight. And they are also chained up and uh, trying to get loose here. And uh, Earth Lord says, Wow, that guy really has it in for Thor. Aye, Earth Lord, but the Odin son will endure, says Hogan. What about the rest of us, says Skyhawk? We're not gods. We don't belong here. We never should have joined this stupid quest. Have faith, Skyhawk, says Thor. Do not fall into the black hole of despair. Whilst life remain, hope exists. Thor is trying to break his bonds, and he's not having much luck here. And uh, Hogan says, well said, my friend. Skyhawk is like, are you Asgardians crazy? You'll never get free. Never shatter those chains. Why even try? Instead of answering, Hogan the Grim continues his silent struggle. And without a word, Earthlord and the Black Knight join him. 
Before he became Skyhawk, Winston Manchester was a high-powered business executive, a cold, pragmatic man who was trained to make instantaneous decisions based on available data. He hasn't changed. Yeah, right. We've got nothing to lose, he says. And uh, we shift scenes, and we are back in Asgard, and the Asgardians are still fighting, and we've got the, the Jaffa, the gold, or whatever they are, uh, kind of overwhelming everybody. And they've got, like, this big, huge... It's like a tank, uh, but it's much, much larger than a tank. It's like a 747 with, with uh, like, treads on it. I mean, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Anyway, um, and it says here, um, Meanwhile, an unreckonable distance away on the homeworld of Thor, cannons roar and weapons clash as the Battle of Asgard continues, slaying and dying amid a bloody blur. The demons of death have met far more resistance than they have bargained for. Reinforcements! We must have reinforcements! The Asgardians are smashing through our lines, crushing our invasion! We cannot stop them! And we see Seth is there, and he's standing up on a big parapet sort of thing uh, with his one hand kind of, you know, hanging out there in the open. He's got some of his, uh, you know, guards with him. This is madness, my lord. Our fools fight like gods possessed, as if the salvation of the universe itself rested with them. You surprise me, General, says Seth. I have you no faith, no confidence in my ability to lead you to victory. We must retreat. We must. Silence. There is only one penalty for those who doubt me. And he kind of blasts the guy with, a, with a magenta ray. I guess that, that is the end of him. I am Seth, the serpent god of death. I demand complete commitment, total faith, and blind obedience from underlings. Order our ground troops to advance. Let no man take a backward step. Our victory is assured. I have planned for every eventuality, and I have already given the necessary commands, which will guarantee the total destruction of Asgard. And we shift back to the Black Pyramid and Grog the God Crusher, and uh, there's some Jaffa here, and they're... Uh, coming in to talk to him. And we see the uh, the Kirby Crackle globe. Remember the uh, dwarf guy who got hung up there in a, in a Kirby Crackle globe and it's still there and and Grog is, I guess, talking to it? I'm not really. It, it's, it's some, the, the, the dwarf is definitely talking to, uh, to, to Grog, though. Uh, Grog is talking to him and he says, he requests a small contribution to aid his glorious cause. Your master is a madman, Grog a raving maniac who truly believes that he can bring an end to all things that live. Silence! Do not profane my ears with such words. Tell Seth that he is destined to lie down with yaks and be ravaged by swine. Enough! I warned you! And he takes his uh, cattle prod snake thing and he blasts uh, whoever's in the globe and the, it goes, Arg! I'm assuming it's that dwarf guy because I, I, I think that's the only time we've, that's the only person we've seen in the globe, so I'm guessing it's him. And the caption says, even as Grog continues to torture his helpless prisoner, at that precise moment back on Asgard, the battle takes a startling turn for the worse. And we see Balder flying down in this flying horse. They're, uh, you know, shooting at Seth's troops with these giant ray guns. Very un looking, but hey, you know, hey, it's 
no, well, anyway, um, uh, but they start to explode unexpectedly, and, and everyone's going, odds blood, our artillery has become to misfire, but why, why? And the caption says, similar questions are raised across the entire battlefield as swords honed in the defense of the Golden Realm and war shields constructed of reinforced Asgardian steel start to shatter without warning. Warriors here, and one of them saying, "'Twould seem the fates themselves have turned against us." And Baldur's flying overhead. He's like, "'Have faith, noble warriors, and stand fast. Whatever this new danger, whatever the monstrous forces hath hurled against us, we fight for the honor and glory of Asgard.'" And the caption says, even as Baldur the Brave shouts words of encouragement to his faithful troops, uh, he gets blasted by an orange ray beam of some description and uh, knocks the horse, I guess, knocks him out of the sky. And we see uh, Sif and Volstagg and Fandral. And uh, Sif is like, Baldur, our king has been struck down. Look! He falls in the path of that giant war machine, says Volstagg. The war wagon is almost upon me, says Baldur. Let it come. Let it come. I fear it not. And it's rolling towards him with his giant uh, tank treads. And and Baldur just leans into it, uh, starts to push. And he says, I presently possess the power of Thor, power which I siphoned from the Thunder God himself so that I could better protect the Golden Realm. Let the unholy legions of Seth beware. I strike for Thor, for Asgard. And he pushes and he flips the giant tank thing over, and the giant tank thing seems to become much smaller between the uh, the last panel and this one. A little bit of a uh, discrepancy there. Anyway, uh, he throws it over, and it falls over with a giant pathak, and you see the uh, treads kind of coming apart. And so Balder, having toppled the giant tank thing, he's kind of surrounded by, uh, you know, Volstagg, Fandral, Sif, and this kid named Valdor. I think we, I think we met him last issue. But anyway, uh, Valdor, he looks a whole lot like Thor with his, with his armor uh, off. And Volstagg is saying, Hurry, we must form a ring of steel around our brave ruler. Let me help thee, master, says Valdor. And Baldur's like, Valdor, my loyal squire, in a place of safety you should be. No, master, I, master, thou art wounded, bleeding, but that's not possible. While thou art in Asgard, special enchantments make thee invulnerable to all harm, save for weapons made of mistletoe. Methinks some strange alien force is disrupting the fundamental laws of enchantment and probability which govern our very existence. We must prepare for the worst. Volstagg. Seth's demon horde will soon be storming the very gates of the inner city. Someone must see to the evacuation of our women and children. Lion of Asgard would much prefer to remain here and help thee crush these arrogant invaders. But I will do as you ask, he says. And he uh, goes striding off to do what he asks. Have no fear, our youth will survive. No man would I trust more with his awesome responsibilities, says Baldur. The future of the Asgardian race is in thy hands, valiant one. We then shift scenes, and we are back in the uh, the Black Pyramid, and we see Thor and the Earth Lord, and they're still trying to get away. And, uh, <laughs> and Thor is trying and trying, he can't do anything. And Earth Lord is thinking to himself, 
Even without his godly power, Thor is an inspiration to us all. The guy just won't quit. I just wish I knew what happened to Pam. She wasn't captured with the rest of us. Where is she? What happened to her? Well, as you remember, she ran off scared last issue, but we then shift scenes and we see where she is, and she is out on the battlefield hiding behind some rocks, and there's these uh, you know, Gwawuld uh, soldiers looking for her, and uh, they go, This way. The Earth Woman must be nearby. She can't have gotten very far. Be cautious, says one of the other soldiers. The Lost Ones were recently spotted in this area, and we dare not cross paths with them. And, uh, and the Wind Warriors is her, is her name. She's like, she's thinking to herself, this is crazy, insane. I used to be a simple suburban housewife before I was given superpowers. I should be home doing the laundry, not fighting in some stupid intergalactic war. I'm so afraid I can barely breathe. And at that moment, over here, I found her. And one of the, the uh, Jaffa grabs her, her by the shoulder. And she's like, no, no, leave me alone. I'm warning you. And she uses her wind powers to toss all these soldiers aside. And uh, she makes like a, you know, Big tornado, like like a, a Jack's White tornado almost, uh, to kind of carry the uh, the soldiers away. And uh, she says out loud, I may be terrified out of my mind, more frightened than I ever thought possible, but I can still transform myself into a living whirlwind. My tornado-level winds will spin you faster and faster until you go flying back to your horrible black pyramid. Have a happy landing. And they are gone, and she's thinking to herself, it's over for now. Got to get away from here before they return. But where should I go? I never felt so lost, so alone. And a uh, voice from behind calls out, well done, woman. And she turns around, and she's like, what? Who are you? We are those who called the Lost Ones. And we shift scenes and we are back to uh, Thor. And he is trying to get out of his uh, bonds, but still is not uh, being successful. We only see him for a panel, however, because we then go to a northern region of Asgard and to Lord Seth. And he and his armies are, I guess they're kind of based here. And we have one of his army guys riding up to him on a motorcycle. <laughs> he says, uh, We're stalled, my lord, Seth. Yon castle is surrounded by a seemingly impregnable force shield. So I guess they're trying to take over a particular castle. And the castle looks a little bit familiar. I think we've seen this castle before. Anyway, so they're trying to get into this castle and they can't. And uh, they're getting all frustrated about it. And Seth is standing there, got to overseeing everything and um soldiers are like it's no use master our most powerful weapons cannot penetrate it then cease your futile efforts says seth i shall attend to this matter personally and seth walks forward and uh, manages to walk right through the barrier huh interesting that anyway um seth walks in and he's thinking to himself the shield seals itself behind me, preventing anyone from following. Tis as I suspected. This castle must be the home of Loki, 
the self-styled god of evil. And as he says that, he finds Loki, and uh, Loki is standing in a room with a chair and a uh, like a um, like a it's a uh, kind of a pitcher sort of thing. Uh, maybe they're making margaritas or something. And he's got this big decanter of some kind, and he's pouring what looks like piss into a, a giant drinking horn. That's, that's why that's why Loki is so so uh, foul is that he drinks piss. But anyway, and Loki says. Relative terms like good and evil are meaningless to beings such as we, serpent god, save when one is discussing my sickeningly noble half-brother Thor. I prefer to think of myself as the god of entertainment, of laughter and frivolity. Tis my sacred duty to regale the universe with enlivening little diversions, to prevent it from becoming too dull, too complacent, too stagnant. In many ways, you and I are much alike, says Loki. Well, I'll tell you what, how they're most alike, is they're both wearing green. And uh, they kind of have a very similar sort of fashion sense, um, other than uh, um, Seth's helmet. And we get a full page here of, of Loki and, and Seth together, and they start to, to talk here. Your attempts to exterminate all life have been quite amusing up until a point, says Loki. Unfortunately, that point has been passed. Go home, Seth. Leave Asgard at once or I shall become annoyed. Very annoyed. Considering your dark reputation, even I would normally be given pause by such an obvious threat, says Seth. Not this time. My eventual victory is assured. Nothing can prevent me from finally extinguishing the flame of life. Something in your eyes. You truly believe it, do you not? This is most intriguing. Either you've gone totally mad, or you've stumbled upon a devastating new source of power, which guarantees your success. If such power truly exists, be assured that it does, says Seth. Hmm. Then there are matters of great importance to consider. And we see that Loki is starting to uh, dissolve into a puff of smoke. And Seth is like, wait, where are you going? I must take my leave, serpent god. Feel free to pour another flagon of mead. And do lock the castle door on your way out. And Loki has disappeared. And we get another single panel of, uh, of Thor trying to escape. And we get a, a little caption here. In the bowels of the Black Pyramid, the God of Thunder strains his protesting limbs beyond the threshold of pain, beyond endurance, beyond hope itself. And we ship back to Asgard where we have um, uh, Volstagg and he's trying to save all the families and children. There's like this giant Viking ship sort of thing and or an ark, I guess you could call it. And there's women and children just kind of streaming into it. And Volstagg is saying, hurry, move along. With each passing moment, the enemy draws nigh, and this ship must soon be launched. And we see Volstagg's wife here looking very, very fat. Uh, much fatter than she appeared in the Simonson run. But anyway, she's there. He's like, Gundrun, my dear, I fear this may be our final farewell. It need not be so, Volstagg. Courageously hast thou always served the Golden Realm, but thy warrior time is done. Thou art old. Leave this war to the younger men. Come away with us. 
Do not shame me, woman, says Volstagg. My duty is clear. Get aboard and leave me in peace. Thou art a stubborn old fool, says Gudrun. And thou a nagging harpy. Volstagg, I... Forgive me, my beloved. We cannot part on such harsh words. To mine eyes thou art the most precious flower of Asgardian womanhood. And thou art as dashing and as handsome as the day I first beheld thee. And the two of them smooch. And <laughs> the soldiers are, are there and uh, kind of, I guess, guarding everybody as they get onto the ship. And they're like, Volstagg, the legions of death approach. To the ship, my love. Go. Fare thee well, my brave warrior. May the fates protect thee. And uh, Volstagg is, uh, is drawing his sword and he's getting ready to defend the, the ship. And he says, um, No matter what the odds, we are as guardians all, and we must provide our people sufficient time to escape. The enemy shall not pass. And everyone's like, So say we all. And we shift scenes again, and we are back in Seth's kingdom. And we have Loki, and Loki has teleported himself into the Black Pyramid, and he's sneaking around invisibly, and he's kind of spying on what's going on here, and thinking to himself, Poor Seth, he takes himself much too seriously. Only a god with absolutely no sense of humor would ever embark on a crusade to eliminate all life. If a weapon does exist which can accomplish this gruesome task, he is certainly the wrong one to wield it. However, I am the perfect... Wait, I sense a familiar presence within these walls. Is it possible? Can it really be him? Mayhap I shall discover. He goes walking through the wall invisibly, and he sees Grog, the uh, god crusher. They're entering the room with his uh, Jaffa... And and uh, Loki is kind of standing there invisible and sees uh, Thor tied to the wheel and Hogan and the Black Knight and, and the rest. And Grog is coming in. He says, Awake, Thunderer. Your respite is over. Grog has returned to torment you. And Loki is thinking to himself, Now this is most amusing. Grog is kind of waving the, uh, the hammer under Thor's nose. Thor is kind of looking very grimacy and Kirby-ish here. And Grog is saying, What? Are you still mocking me with your arrogant silence? Still refusing to whimper and beg for mercy? I shall break you, Thunder God. Break your body and your spirit. And there's a walk, walk, walk noise, which I'm not sure what it is. Loki is standing there and we see, see him kind of eavesdropping on what's going on. Cry out, blast you. Cry out. Not even a god can withstand such pain. Such punishment. Enough. The time has come for me to change tactics and targets. I shall use your own weapon, your sacred hammer, to cripple your comrades. One by one I will pulverize their bones and crush their skulls. And we get a full page here of, of Thor. And I guess that has given him all the incentive he needs to completely... Uh, smash the wheel that he's tied to and he breaks free and he's like nay i say thee nay and we get a full page here of him destroying the wheel and kind of fragments flying everywhere it's actually a really dynamic uh 
pose. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. And he has these chains attached to his, his arms that he was tied to the wheel with. And he's whipping them around and he's taking out all these uh, Jaffa with his, uh, with his chains. And uh, they're, they're going flying. And uh, Thor's like, never will it be used for such heinous acts. Never will I allow thee to defame sacred Mjolnir. And one of the Jaffa has this kind of blue um, rifle. And he's going, kill Thor. Shoot him down like... And he goes, erg, because Hogan has uh, kind of leapt up, uh, used his legs to grab the, the Jaffa. He pulls the, uh, the, the rifle close to where his hands are, and he uses it to, uh, to free himself. Um, the, the gun fires, and, and it blasts uh, Hogan's uh, wrist things off, so he's not attached to the wall anymore. And Hogan's like, I give thee thanks, friend. Thy efforts have freed me. And he uses the gun apparently to free the rest of them. So we have Earthlord, the Black Knight, and Skyhawk, and they are all loose now. And Earthlord is like, it's time to cut loose. Aye, we strike for all who live, says Hogan, for Asgard, for Thor. This is it, says Skyhawk. The fate of the universe is at stake. And we dare not fail, says the Black Knight. And they're all fighting here. And Thor uh, encroaches upon uh, Grog as he's standing there, and uh, he's just casting the, uh, the the soldiers aside. Even without his uh, Thor strength, he's still he's still an Asgardian, so he's still pretty strong. But anyway, Thor's like, "Grog, thy judgment is at hand." No, Thor, tis only your death that awaits," says Grog. "Have you forgotten what's happened to you? No longer are you the true god of thunder." No longer do you possess the power of an Asgardian born. You are mortal now, and your own weapon shall destroy you. Mortal I may be, says Thor, but I am still the son of Odin. And he is fighting him with using his chains, and he's dodging his blows. Still do I possess the spirit and courage of a god. And he punches Grog right in the face, knocks him down with a plam. And ere this battle ends... Still shall Thor stand triumphant. And uh, he succeeded, even though he doesn't have his full strength of knocking Grog the, the god crusher back. And uh, Grog is like, no, no, this cannot be. Your cause is lost, hopeless. No cause is e'er lost to one who is of courageous in spirit and strong of limb. And then we have a Braca Doom and a Thwack as uh, Thor smashes Grog over and over again in the face, and um, Thor is saying, Thou dost sneer at mortal man, yet there can be many lessons learned. Nothing is hopeless, nothing is inevitable. Only in base despair can the soul be crushed. And he's just hammering on him, plack, plack, plack. Only in complete surrender can the spirit be, Oh, it's blood. What have I done? And um, we see that um, he's really, really knocked down Grog the God Butcher, even without his full strength. And he um, is really kind of, he's not dead, but anyway, he's, he's kind of rendered him helpless anyway. And he uh, realizes what he's done and he says, Truly was the bloodlust upon me. Only a maddened beast continues to batter a fallen foe. The son of Odin is honor-bound to strike for justice, not vengeance. 
Justice for the people of Asgard. Justice for all who live. And he grabs back Mjolnir and he's carrying it in his hand. Loki is standing there invisible, watching all of this, and he's thinking to himself, Methinks my dear brother is exhausted and on the verge of collapse. A simple spell would surely slay him. "'Tis a pity that we must now fight in common cause. We see the Earth Lord and Skyhawk and Hogan and the Black Knight, and they're kind of arrayed behind Thor in a suspiciously organized-looking way. And uh, Thor says, "'Come, my friends, let us all who love life make haste. The time has come for us to battle death himself.'" And in the background, we have Loki, uh, and he's thinking, "'Aye, brother,' And while you challenge Seth for the fate of the universe, I shall continue my quest for his invincible source of power. Next issue, The Prisoners of the Black Pyramid, featuring the Siege of Asgard, the sacrifice of the Enchantress, the sinister secret of Seth, the startling return of an old friend, and much, much more, according to the blurb. And that is Thor number 397. We will be talking about this in a little bit more depth right after this message. Space, the final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give me that Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back with a few things to say about the issue. Um, yeah, so uh, again, this, it's the same story. It's nothing we haven't seen before, but now it seems like the tide is turning a little bit. We've got a little bit more going on that's interesting now that we've established the threat of Seth. It now seems that there are cracks in his, his onslaught. There's various things happening. You know, get Loki against you. Things are going to be interesting. Something is going to start happening that's not to Seth's advantage. And, and of course, that's what's going on here. So, again, I think that the story is headed generally in a good direction. Kind of dragged out the, uh, the buildup, and now we're kind of uh, getting into the meaty part of the story. So kind of looking forward to that. Like I said, though, you know, the, the story continues, the, the plot continues to be something that we've, we've seen before. Nothing's particularly special, but it's well told. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. Artwork is generally pretty good. You definitely am seeing a lot more in this issue of Ron Friends drawing in a Kirby-ish style. And uh, not so much in the Buscema style. We're, we're getting a lot of Kirby here in general. There are a lot of single-page spreads here, and I'm assuming that that's in response to having some deadline issues. And the fact that we also have two inkers on here, I think, uh, means a lot. I don't think we could have any two different people inking than Brett Breeding and Don Heck, but it's really obvious who's inked what. <laughs> um, and it, it does appear that throughout most of the issue, uh, Brett Breeding has done most of the figures, at least the figures of Thor and the heroes. 
and Don Heck has done a lot of the backgrounds and a lot of the uh, detailing. Um, and that's that's kind of how it seems to me. There seems to have been also, I think, a little bit of effort to do shadings and that kind of thing more in the style of Walt Simonson. It's a weird combination when you've got somebody drawing in a Kirby-esque style, but it kind of works in this case. I mean, even kind of in parts a... Um, I don't know, dare I say a Coletta-esque sort of air to, to the inking of this issue. Um, again, where we have Heck doing inks, the, the figures can be very stiff. Um, it looks like Brett Breeding did the faces of most of the characters, but there's a few places where, where Heck really comes through as an inker. Um, Heck has a much lighter line, and... The, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see the difference. There's a few pages where it's really obvious that the both of them worked on the, the page together. Um, for example, the, the full page here of Loki uh, meeting with Seth in, in his castle. You, you can definitely see Brett Breeding is, is influence, but the face of Loki in this is so obviously inked by heck that, that it's not even funny. I think that they were they must have been working on these pages literally in the same room at the same time and just kind of doing what they could uh, to get this out because it does seem to be uh it is kind of a rush job but the, at least the pencils look good. I mean the the uh the pencils generally are looking better than the inks are here and I'm guessing that there was some kind of a a deadline issue. Um, but it, it's really obvious where one ends and one begins. There's a few pages, and I think one of them is page 15, where Volstagg is saying uh, goodbye to uh, Gudrun. That is all heck. And there's a few pages like the one just after that, uh, page uh, 16, which seems to be done all by Brett Breeding. So, yeah, I, I don't know how they divided it, but... Um, Interesting. Um, I noticed that they've added a little bit to a Volstagg's costume here. They've given them this enormous, enormous belt that looks like it's way too heavy to actually uh, stay on his belly. Yeah, I mean, I actually like the way they make Volstagg look in this issue. Um, it is taking a cue very much from uh, John Buscema here, but at the same time, the poses and the facial expressions, they seem more Kirby-esque, at least for the main supporting cast. I think if you look at the uh, the background characters, they actually look more, more Buscema-ish. So... I'm not really sure exactly what the logic is that the breeding is going for with the, with his artwork, but I do like it. I think generally Ron Friends is a is a pretty good penciler, and he he deserves a better inker. But uh, yeah, we we got what we got. Again, the um, they kind of tried to explain the whole hammer thing without actually saying it uh, by saying that the the rules of magic have gotten a little bit wonky because of the yeah. I, I don't buy that. I, I still think that there's no way that Grog the God Crusher would ever be able to lift the hammer. And I th I'm wondering if anybody address this at least in the, like in a letters page or something i don't have letters pages so you know it, it, i don't really know but uh it would be interesting to see what fan reaction was to that uh, like i said last time i, I don't buy it it's, it's a it's a glaring weakness in, in an otherwise perfectly adequate story all right so i really don't have a whole lot more else to say so once again folks thanks very much for listening we really do appreciate it and, of course, if you want to contact us, let us know what you thought of Avengers Infinity War. Email the show, radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. 
or join us over on the Facebook group. Want to uh, welcome Eric Clark Odinson to the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. He is the latest uh, member there. And uh, yeah, so welcome along, Eric. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.